Clubhouse. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you? Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family-friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 29 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike joining you today. (laughs) What is this? I'm doing a little Bing Crosby for you. Oh, you were doing a little Bing? Uh, I am doing a little Bing. That's hard to tell, but okay. So we're doing a little Irving Berlin's Holiday Inn this week. And Mike, this had all kinds of major whiffs of white Christmas. Back in week 14, it seems so long ago now, we covered uh, 1955's White Christmas, 55 or 54, uh, Irving Berlin's White Christmas, which was a movie that we decided was not about Christmas at all, but it was built around the song White Christmas that Bing Crosby sings in that movie with Danny Kaye. This movie coming out in 1942, 13 years earlier, where White Christmas actually is written and performed for the first time in a movie, actually goes on to win the Academy Award this year for Best Song, or in 1943, for Best Song for White Christmas. Yeah, comes out of Holiday Inn, Irving Berlin's Holiday Inn, not the eponymous or titular White Christmas that comes out 13 years later. Yeah, kind of crazy. Kind of Something I never realized uh, until doing this podcast, the, the kind of history of the song. Hit us up with a screenplay. Sure. So based on an idea by Irving Berlin, uh, he, you know, had this idea to do a, a originally actually a play and then converted it to a movie about a hotel that would just be open on holidays. And he would write one song for each holiday. And that was that was the Irving Berlin shtick to it was that there would be a song per holiday. Uh, so based on he has the story by credit. Uh, it was uh, adapted by a gentleman named Elmer Rice. And the screenplay, the initial screenplay was by someone named Claude Binion. Uh, it was directed by it was directed and produced, I should say, by Mark Sandrich, who actually had done a bunch of Fred Astaire in Ginger Roger numbers, which maybe explains why the stars being Crosby and Fred Astaire. Now, it should give us a little tip off that this one was released in August 4th of 1942, that this may not be a Christmas movie. It, it may not be a, a Christmas movie in any way, shape or form. It may v- in any way, shape or it, form. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it may actually play Happy Holidays more than it actually plays anything relating to Christmas. Even though Happy Holidays is considered a Christmas song traditionally, it's actually more about just enjoy your holidays. I mean, they could mm-hmm. be talking about all Arbor the Day. holidays of the year. Yes. yes. Yeah, all 15 of them. I mean, we, yes. we learn we, we don't celebrate all 15 in this movie, but uh, we hear from Bing that there are 15 holidays. So uh, let's get into casting right away. Actually, do you want to hit us with the plot, the, the, the classic Caroline one sentence plot of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> okay, at an inn which is only open on holidays, a crooner and hoofer vie for the affections of a beautiful up-and-coming performer. This raised the question for me, Mike, real fast, which is more charming, someone who can dance or someone who can sing? This was going to be my question for you because I of don't course. feel like I am qualified to answer this. Uh, oh, and I know the answer. So. Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, hit me with what you think it is and then I'm going to I'll, I'll Well, here's the you. thing. So while, while watching, I was thinking, hmm, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just your preference, right? Do you like someone who can sing or do you like someone who can dance? However, I think by the end, what I decided was, I think the man who can dance is more social and happy at social occasions, which makes me more happy around him. And you don't have to be a great dancer, but if you're a willing dancer, I think I'm more into you than I am into the singer. Because singing is like, well, I mean, you can sing whenever, that's fine. But it, but you could still be like a super introvert and be a great singer. And I like the extrovert nature of a great dancer yeah it's hard to hide your bushel and be a dancer at the same time or Mm -hmm. be a great dancer i mean by by its very nature it's going to be something public i mean i guess you can be dancing all by yourself right as the great song from the yeah like in a club 
closet or something, yeah, but like, but, but in reality, I, I think that you're just a more easygoing person. You know, I think you're less self-conscious, you're less whatever, because you're just like willing to, to be out there. And so I, I think that's the guy who gets me. I think these movies that we're watching, especially the movies from this time period, I think definitely support that idea that if you're a hoofer, as the uh, little log line says there, you're, you're more likely to wind up with the girl. You're literally going to be able to sweep her off her feet because I, and I think it's I think it's because it's very physical, right? There There is an intimacy oh, yeah. and a sensuality to dancing, even if you're not together. I mean, when Be Careful, It's My Heart, the Valentine's Day song that uh, Bing is playing on the piano and Ted Hanover, the Fred Astaire character, comes in and he begins dancing with Linda behind his back. I mean, she's with. Jim Hardy, the Bing Crosby character at that point. And I mean, she's she's ready to be kissing on Fred by the end of that dance. It's just the nature and the sensuality and the physicality of dancing together. That bodes well for me, because as we've just heard, I am not much of a singer at all in any way, shape or form. And I'm a decent dancer. So. So you've got a good shot with the ladies. Nana's who were alive in 1942. I think I'm right in there with them. <laughs> you could have kept up with all the nanas. You know, if uh, if old Marjorie Reynolds or uh, Virginia Dale, who plays Lila Dixon, were still alive today, I think I'd be in with them with my dancing skills. Those nanas. Oh, I you think. do? My big question mark is, do you want to be in with Lila Dixon? Because let me just tell you, I did not think she was a very cool chick. <laughs> no, chronologically, I think this may be the earliest Dear John telegram I've ever seen in my life, uh, mm-hmm. where she informs Ted, gone to Texas to marry a millionaire, hope, you know, you, good luck finding a new partner on Christmas Day, sends that. That's pretty cold, Lila. That's pretty cold. I can't understand during this this movie era here, what is the deal with marriage in general? Like, we just watched Christmas in Connecticut. We saw White Christmas. There's so much, like, swapping of partners. And there's there's seeming to be like a real like, um, oh, I don't know, just whichever guy is in the tuxedo, you know, standing at the altar will be fine um, in a lot of ways. Like the women definitely seem to have the upper hand. They're the ones always picking where they're going to go. But the men just have to like suck it up and deal with it. I can't believe that Jim and Ted are still friends after all this. I don't feel like in present day in any movies you could have those two guys remain friends. Well, to be fair, I mean, I think. Ted thinks he's still friends with Jim. I don't know how, I don't know how friends, uh, Jim is considering Ted for most of this movie. I know at the very end of it, they, they seem like they have patched themselves up and they have settled down and he winds up with Lila again, Ted does, and, and Jim winds up with Linda. So I guess it seems okay, kind of papered over. They had this whole thruple thing going on. They, these are sort of, they're, they're, they're a, a, a traveling trio when the movie opens and she is, I'm in love with Jim and, and Jim's kissing on her because they're supposed to retire to go to Connecticut to open up this farm, to, to go live on this farm that he ends up going to live by himself. And then he leaves and Ted comes in and she's all smacky dacky with him. I was mm-hmm. like, what is happening here? And she doesn't even care. I mean, she's like, I love everybody. I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> she, is, she is 2021 progressive for 1942. I guess, but this is where I'm like throwing my hands up. Like, I is this 2021 progressive? I'm, I'm like, was this was this a reflection of society or is this just like film fairy tale crap? I think it's part of. Well, I mean, we've seen it a bunch, but we keep seeing it. I mean, it, 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 Barbara Stanwyck in Christmas in Connecticut, and there was so much. I there's so much between this Christmas in Connecticut and White Christmas. If you were inclined to watch three black and white movies that are vaguely about Christmas. Christmas time together watch these three t- together and you're gonna feel like they're all part of the same trilogy i think oh for sure uh, you know the house actually in this movie was re was uh used later on for white christmas and i think there are actually some exterior shots that are used also in christmas in connecticut so wild. <laughs> yeah yeah but I, I think it's actually the exact same house is used in uh, white christmas the uh, horse-drawn sleigh we just got yeah. finished watching barbara stanwick uh, you know show up in a horse horse-drawn sleigh. The point being, people, Connecticut is magical. And if you are going <laughs> to fall in love at Christmas time with snow, 
go to Connecticut. It is where all of your dreams are going to come true. And there are horse-drawn taxis, you know, uh, taxi sleighs. So just waiting for you to, to go off on a romantic ride. 1942. And they're still calling cars horseless carriages, which I also thought was wild to me. Army Jeeps, I think in 1942, when we're in yeah. war. Uh, yeah. But there's still, but Gus is still lamenting having to go get a horseless carriage, which he promptly <laughs> drives into a lake. I know. That was the weirdest part. When he just drove into that water, I was like, wait, what? It made just me laugh. <laughs> too because it was like one of those like just burst out laugh that happened yeah. i was like what the heck just yeah. happened I, I and definitely then for did lila that. to do it 10 seconds later i was like what is happening what a great gag though when she doesn't <laughs> 10 seconds later and and the best part is and and some people may Linda even miss doesn't bother to mention well i mean she's just great in scheming right she knows that mm-hmm. uh she knows lila's gonna get stuck there and she's gonna be able to linda's gonna be able to go do her thing but gus when he gets out of the car says my horse used to be able to go this way and yep. it was just a very funny like gus <laughs> gus is just so big about having to have abandoned his horse-drawn sleigh. It was very funny. Oh, my goodness. Were you taken in by by Jim and Ted? Did you like Bing and Fred together? I did. I'm a sucker for song and dance movies. I love tap dancing uh, as, a, as a drummer. I like you like kind of whispered that a little bit. Like I, I, I love, love dancing. It. I love tap dancing. I love percussion and rhythm. So tap dancing is like really in my wheelhouse of interest. So Fred Astaire is always a draw for me. And I found the music. I like Bing's voice combined with Fred's dancing. I thought made for all of the highlights of this movie uh the fourth of july number with the firecrackers i thought was fantastic <laughs> that was one of my favorites did you have a favorite song Ooh, i mean white christmas is, is such a classic the other one for me was uh easter parade because i always kind of I, I kind of hum that one and sing that one a little bit around easter time i think it's honestly because of gilmore girls they they sing it in that one and uh so it kind of like stuck with me harder but that and and white christmas for me uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I, that song didn't do it for me. I, I mean, it's a beautiful song and I understand why it's popular. This was another example of Irving Berlin writing music for one thing, repurposing it 16 times, and then eventually making a movie based on the song. So in the same way, 13 years after this, he has the movie uh, come out about White Christmas called White Christmas. He eventually has a movie that he builds around Easter Parade that he gets put into motion. So they're the mm-hmm. The, the movie Easter Parade, like White Christmas, the movie, is built around the song Easter Parade, which is featured for the first time in a movie here, but actually stems from a 1933 Broadway musical Irving Berlin had made called uh, As Thousands Cheer. So Berlin was like just repurposing his own stuff <laughs> constantly, constantly. So it's pretty crazy. Like, uh, the Song of Freedom. I mean, who doesn't who doesn't want to like hear an eagle like soar and stand up and salute during that song? <laughs> uh, you know, which comes right before the tap dancing firecracker song, which I said was I loved. The funny thing about Song of Freedom was that wasn't actually in the original script, Caroline. No, no. In the middle of filming this movie, Pearl Harbor is attacked, which brings uh, the United States into World War Two right in the middle of filming so the studio and and berlin and and sandrich uh mark sandrich the producer and director they decide that they need to have a nod to the military and to patriotism and so they craft this song song uh song of freedom out of whole cloth add it to the movie and that's how you wind up with the slideshow that plays while bing is singing of the very military heavy things that make America great. The we are going to whip your heinies kind of hoorah patriotism of that song. In my notes, I have very patriotic in all capital letters. <laughs> it, it felt very much like you could kind of see people like getting a tear in their eye or even like wanting to like stand up for that portion. You know, yeah. like it was it was really supposed to get you. I, I mean, I think it's telling the 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 theater poster, the theatrical poster for this movie. Again, movie called Holiday Inn about holidays that is is goes on to be known as a christmas movie the holiday in font is in red white and blue so they were definitely thumping wartime buy some bonds i'm sure this movie was preceded by some pitch to buy some war bonds i wanted to ask you a question caroline because especially just ask it you just ask me the idea of choice and women being told what to do and having decisions taken out of their hands. I want to play this clip because this just feels very timely and also of the time when this movie came out. Well, Jim, you deliberately kept me from working at the inn tonight, didn't you? Yeah. 
You knew there would be men here from Hollywood who might offer me a chance in pictures. You decided I shouldn't have that opportunity. Not even the opportunity to refuse. I was afraid the offer might be too important for you to turn down. Well, the point is you don't trust me to make my own decisions because they might interfere with your own selfish plans. I've had about enough of that, Jim. I mean, Linda is is speaking some truth there that I feel like women everywhere have felt for literally decades before this movie came out and ever since. Um, but th- this is not the first time we have Barbara Stanwyck saying something very similar uh, in Christmas in Connecticut when she tells her editor to, like, shut up and, you know, that she, it's her time to speak and she's going to do what she wants. Does that get you fired up? Are, are you fu- are you fist pumping when you hear stuff like that and, and some some agency being being taken back hmm she's calling it for what it is the actual delivery of it is super baby whiny and so that doesn't hit my ears very well so it doesn't feel like barbara stanwick's uh far more empowered uh delivery of these things and she isn't going to do anything about this she's pissed and she like mentioned you know basically is like calling like you know putting a spotlight on it but it it still just sort of is what it is like i don't feel like she's like was really getting a chance to really like take back any of her actual decision making jim and ted really this whole group does a lot of like manipulation of one another including danny right i mean he's the other He's the other scoundrel in all this. They're all kind of scoundrels, though. I mean, even even Linda, even the women. Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, even Linda kind of. I mean, she lies about. Of course, she knows Ted when she goes to sit at the table Mm -hmm. and meets Jim because that that backfires, and that's why she ends up running out of the uh, restaurant. Just for people who maybe haven't listened to our Christmas in Connecticut, for comparison's sake, here is the "I'm tired." Well, I think if you'll listen to me, you'll find. Suppose you listen to me for it. Now, Miss, I said, listen to me. I'm tired of being pushed around, tired of being told what to do, tired of writing your gall darn articles, tired of dancing to everybody else's tune, tired of being told whom to marry. In short, I'm tired. But, Miss Lee... Oh, get out. You'll regret this. I said get out. Now, that's 1945. See, that comes off much different, though, right? right? That doesn't have that same, like, oh, Jim, like that business. Like, mm-hmm. oh, no, 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 sister. Like... Yeah, Jim feels bad, I guess. But I mean, I even feel sad the way he says it when he says, well, I just thought the opportunity might be too important. Like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it it could have been an important opportunity. Like, oh, no, I, you know, these men are from yesteryear. And that's something that we definitely need to mention about this movie. If you guys are thinking about sitting down and watching with your family, they've got some, uh, a big warning right at the very beginning of this that said, you know, this is from another time. What was acceptable at the time does not reflect what is, what is okay now. And there's certainly a lot of parts in this that are problematic. I mean, beyond, of course, gender there's loads of racism and it feels like not just old-fashioned values because that's not right but like out of date like this just isn't the way anyone should be thinking about things anymore i mean it's almost shocking to me that even in 1942 that this was still going on this feels something that we're talking there are uh several scenes of there's an entire song done in blackface where jim uh, bing crosby and and linda played by marjorie reynolds performed the song in blackface where they sing a song called abraham about abraham lincoln for lincoln's birthday and then there's a third in the song it's louise beavers who plays mammy the mammy character literally named mammy in this in this movie joins in to sing to her children about what a great man abraham lincoln was it is extremely problematic it made me super uncomfortable i watched it because i i felt like I owed it to be seen um, because the version that when you've rented on Amazon is the unedited version that includes this. Now, if you're watching this on TV at Christmas time, my understanding is this scene is almost universally edited out now. But if you're watching it on a streamer or somewhere that is not directly ad supported, where are there are commercials, this scene's going to be in there. So yes, be forewarned, because especially if you're watching with your kids, there's going to be some questions about what's happening there. Yeah. In our much more aware times of mental health a pretty big kind of i would say i'm gonna say joke about the idea that jim ends up in a sanitarium for some period of time and that as well i think that if you have mental health issues that are sensitive in your family or anything like i want to give you that heads up there's jokes made about this and that might not feel like this is the thing you want around 
your kids or at a holiday time, if you're sitting down thinking you're watching some lighthearted movie, there's like some comments in here that really might not hit anyone's ears right. Yeah. And it's a shame, too, because the scene that precedes that where we get an 11th month, 11 month montage of Jim, Jim trying to make a go of being a farmer is very funny. Um, it's set to the calendar is flipping through holidays and we keep seeing him struggle with various tasks that you do at a farm. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because it was playing the song Lazy was playing. And I, I thought it was actually supposed to be some sort of overture to farmers to mm-hmm. say people assume if you live in the country, you have this kickback, lazy life. When in reality, you're working super hard and it's like really impossible to stay on top of everything. And so I thought they were actually doing kind of almost like this this complicated love letter to farmers in a way. Yeah, I, uh, you're 100 percent right, because then when they reunite in New York, when he has this idea, which he had in the sanitarium that's how it comes up he says that it was the hardest work he's ever done in his life i think it's the danny character says you know oh you've come back to the city from your you know your your lazy retirement or whatever he says that's like a paraphrase and he's like lazy it was the hardest work i've ever done in my life i I couldn't I, i couldn't handle it yeah no so for sure acknowledging the difficult work being done there but it was but you know doing pratfalls watching him fall over you know fun with milk of the cow these are all you know things that were entertaining kind of thing so the sanitarium was unnecessary you know also some blatant you know misogyny on top of this idea that linda is should be linda and lila and maybe all women are kind of freely tradable between jim and ted yes the women are participating in that a bit themselves by going back and forth or to text millionaires but it does seem like all like nobody is like a human being they're all just very interchangeable in the final song where we learn it's the closing it's the ending medley of the movie it starts with jim and ted and then linda's between them and we're learning through the lyrics of the song that jim won linda's heart in the end and right before lila comes on stage uh, jim has a line that says i won my hot toddy Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that I could. <laughs> I don't know that I'm getting away with calling a woman a hot toddy in 2021. So again, just you know, and this is for sure a little bit of us looking backwards and criticizing. And and there are people who get up in arms about that. I I sometimes also have a problem when people strike a movie down because of 2021 values when it was made in a different time. I'm not criticizing it as much as I'm just pointing it out so people are forewarned. This is a thing you're going to endure. You know, it seems to be a reflection of the time. Or that you need to understand going into it that that this would be maybe a good opportunity to have a conversation in your family or with friends or something about like why this isn't cool anymore or whatever. So... I think I can speak for you, Mike, in saying that we're both against the idea of like canceling movies that were of another time. But I think that it's okay to stop and say this and the way it's portrayed. We don't want to see this anymore. And it's fine if you watch this movie, but you should you should understand like why we're saying this is problematic and, and we should really strive for for different outcomes in different movies here as we move forward. I didn't get to ask you what did what? you what did you think of Bing and Fred here? Were you drawn to one or one or one or the other character? And and as a duo, uh, how did you sing them? This is our second Bing movie. Uh, I think it's our first Fred Astaire movie in this podcast. I don't have a terrific read on Fred. How about that? Maybe because we've seen Bing twice, I have a different feel for him. But for Fred, I mean, I think of course he's a wonderfully talented dancer. But who he is, I feel like there's this this little bit of like a at least in this movie, this he's the second guy all the time. There's this like conniving quality about he knows someone is with with Ted and yet he still tries to snatch them anyway. There's something about him that that as a as a character in this movie that comes off kind of sleazy um, yeah. that I don't like about him at all, which is unfortunately, you know, pushing on to the actual human being Fred Astaire. I don't know if Fred Astaire was a really great guy in real life. I don't know if he was a he was not a cool guy. I don't really know. He's the rake, right? Is, isn't that the word or that he's a rogue, a rake, a, 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 a Han Solo-esque type mm-hmm. is kind of how he's portrayed here. OK, I could go with that. I mean, you need to have somebody who's not the square, right, I suppose. Um, and definitely Bing is being portrayed as as the guy who's you know just 
wants to be, you know, like a salt of the earth kind of guy. Yeah, wants out of the rat race. Wants mm-hmm. out of the yeah, rat race. Always, and, yeah. Everyone's always wanting out of the rat race, right? And the last one, though, too, we had like, wasn't it, remind me, between Dan and Kay and Bing Crosby? That, that's White Christmas. Uh, no, but who it, wanted out? It, well, the colonel, their colonel from the war has the Mm-mm, struggling of the, in. Of the two guys, no, of the two guys, one of them was like, we got to get married and we got to settle down. The other one was like, ah. I believe it's the Bing character who plays the senior military guy who doesn't want to like settle down, you know, doesn't, doesn't feel like the same need. I think it's so that, there's that same dynamic, I guess, between these two guys. I Danny Kay like. is the one who's pushing, like, you got to get with this girl and you, you need to, you yeah. know, you need to find a woman. Get married, essentially. Have six kids. Remember all that? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Would you want to sit down and have drinks with Fred? No, I just want to watch him dance. I don't. I. I, I yeah. I don't. I didn't find him the best singer in the world. Um, and it's funny too because Bing. Bing is. Bing is a has a great voice, but it's certainly of a specific time and era that I don't know that I would want to hear him sing like the hits of the 70s 80s 90s and early 2000s but <laughs> you know what i mean like he doesn't have that sure. that kind of voice but he's you know of that frank sinatra kind of generation of voice where it's a whole mood it, you know a big i love that though it like rattles my oh yeah chest you yeah, know that, and whoa, i love that yeah that i mean yeah. that whole thing is it's it's down there <laughs> i love how you just the <laughs> I, I mean it's, it's not even a word it's, it's just this weird sound and i'll tell you why i'm doing it is because there's another song in this movie in addition to white christmas where the first line is often i'm and he sings it with the, at the same at the same note and in the same pronunciation as he sings i'm dreaming in white christmas so twice two separate songs of this you get I'm, and, it's like, and i was like oh we're doing white christmas here oh no no it's a totally different song it's just it's just how bing crosby says i'm apparently is i'm going to the bank now baby can i get you some milk now baby Baby. I, yeah, what so, are you talking about? Crazy. I gotta ask, because it's come okay. up now twice, which yes. version of White Christmas do you prefer? And, to refresh your memory, I have okay. clips of both of them. Alright, hit me. This is White Christmas 1955 movie version. Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear sleigh bells in the snow in the snow. All right, so that's the 1954. I keep saying 1955. It's 1954 is when Christmas comes out. That's that version. Here is Bing singing it several years earlier in 1942's Holiday Inn. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. There are different versions for sure. I mean, even though it's being in, you know, without a doubt singing both versions, they do sound a little bit different. And obviously, the, the, the Holiday Inn version goes on and uh, Linda, the character Linda, joins him at, at the end of it. And they kind of duet the song. He feeds her the lines and, and it, it rhythmically and she sings. And then she does a solo version of it at the end of the movie. Lord, I think that's really hard. I don't I mean, ugh, I love the song. So I don't know. I would be OK with either. I don't. That's terrible. I should have like a like a really like distinct opinion on it. But I don't. Which kind of makes me feel like. The reusing of it is uh, it's tricky business because it just takes something that, you know, people already like and you mush it into a new place and, you know, it's just going to it's going to come with its own gravitas. Right. So 
I don't know. What do you think? Is there something about one or the other that really like shakes you? Yeah, I, I actually like the white Christmas movie version better. And it's the aesthetic. I, it, it's less tinkly. It feels it's tinkly. Yeah, the, 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 there's not, you know, in the, in the movie, even they have him like he hits with his pipe. He hits like the bells yeah, the kind of on the tree. And stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a more plinkly, lovey version of the song. And the context of it in White Christmas is it's he's playing essentially like a USO show for the GIs. And mm-hmm. you even hear in the recording we have here bombs literally kind of going off uh, behind him. And I think it just is a completely different context. And I think his voice takes up more of the oxygen and air in the room in the white christmas version which i like better i think it's a more full version of the song i like the sentimentality portion though of the tinkliness because i don't know there's something about it that feels a little bit it actually brings in christmas a little bit when he like actually hits the ornaments you know with his pipe, which is so old-fashioned and funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bing in his pipe, though, right? Even when he does Little little Drummer Boy with David Bowie uh, in, like, 77, uh, yeah. you know, I think his pipe is uh, in that, too. So <laughs> I, I believe, and don't quote me on this, I believe, actually, this We're is the only to. this is the only version, this is not the version that goes on to be the bestseller. He actually re-records, uh, well, I should say, a soundtrack comes out for this movie, which I thought was wild, because I didn't realize they did movie soundtracks in 1942 but they release a vinyl you know 78 uh soundtrack where bing and fred went back into the studio with an orchestra and backup singers who are not the ladies from the movie and they sing like full studio length versions uh reorchestrated versions of all of the songs from this and they released a standalone soundtrack album and the songs are slightly different uh that version of white christmas is not the one that goes on to be like the number one selling version of white christmas i believe he ends up re-recording it a few years later maybe in 46 45 46 47 something like that and that's the version that gets played in like kmart and walmart and stuff at christmas time uh, another fun fact Act is Linda, who's played by Marjorie Reynolds, does not do the singing in this movie. She's actually being dubbed by a woman named Martha Mears. Huh. Yeah. So uh, uh, Marjorie Reynolds was a dancer, was an actress and a dancer. She was not a singer. And so when she sings White Christmas the two times in this movie, she's actually being dubbed over by Martha Mears. Who... What do you feel like if they did that to you? you feel like so weird i think if i got hired to sing in a movie at all dubbed or not i think that would be weird so (laughs) but but dubbed if you got hired to sing and then you like watch the movie and it's just your lips movie and you're like that's not my voice (laughs) like that would be so weird i mean i would be like yeah i get it (laughs) i mean truthfully so (laughs) oh my god that's terrible okay mike so Do we feel like we've covered the plot of this movie? Do we feel like everyone understands what this movie's about? Do we have more to say about that? I have, I just have a couple more clips just because I thought they were kind of interesting. But yes, I think before we get on to whether or not this is a a Christmas movie, which P.S. spoilers, it's not. uh, (laughs) Well, I, but I think it's a good point that you, I'm glad you have audio clips because there are some really good one liners in this, right? Yeah. This one made me laugh because I thought of you. This is the kind of thing, sassy thing. Well, it's the kind of sassy thing I think you'd say (laughs) in the same situation. So it made me, it made me laugh okay. a little bit. I don't know, though. His act might not go so well in a place as large as mine. Well, I found that the size of a place doesn't matter if one has sufficient personality. That's what you found, huh? <laughs> <laughs> He's all, that's what you found, huh? <laughs> that's what you found, huh? If you, oh, my God. It, 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 the size doesn't matter if you've got a good personality. That's essentially mm-hmm. what she's saying there. Is that sure. your is that your experience? The sure. Personality sure. personality <laughs> sure. overcomes a uh, lack of size. Sure. Uh, <laughs> ooh. Um, I don't know. <laughs> what very funny uh this also made me laugh because again that's something i think you would say and i feel like maybe you have said versions of this to me on this podcast (laughs) okay you sound sweet but you don't make sense (laughs) yeah i might just use that one from now on (laughs) yeah i'm gonna email that just that audio file but he don't make sense (laughs) i'm gonna email you that audio file so you could just play that because i feel like that probably comes up a bunch in your life i feel like i need to get one of those little things you know how like little kids have like those fart machines where you can like Mm -hmm. record other sounds on it i might have to record a couple of these lines and then just like i'll just be like sitting at like family dinner and then being like hit it and be like you sound sweet but you don't make sense just throw shit out i mean the only thing missing from that scene is where she doesn't like just pat him on the head uh 
it's 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 very funny. After she has her uh, her, you don't let me make my own. You don't trust me to make my own decisions. The Hollywood guys come. Uh, Bing tries to shut them down. He says it's not for sale. But then he kind of gets browbeat right into giving in to to give them the rights to make a movie version of this idea that he's created in Connecticut. And I I want to play this because I think it's an interesting concept that he talks about here. You don't have to start talking it down because the idea is not for sale. Well, maybe I haven't explained enough. We expect to use Mr. Hanover and his partner in the picture. Well, I don't know how the others feel, but I'd like to keep this little setup just the way it is. Jim, would you be decent just once and let somebody else around here have a chance? Now, wait a minute, Danny. After all, the place belongs to him. He can do as he wants. I guess it was just too good to last, huh? A simple little layout where we could do our best at the work we know without having any illusions of glory. I can see now that I'm the only one who could be happy here. Go ahead, take the idea, take the music, take Linda, take the whole darn thing. Did that when when you were going through it? Did that make give you pause at all? Because it definitely gave me pause. I was just curious if it if it did. Which for part? You. The take Linda, take all of it. No, the idea of you know, I just an idea here being something small that was never meant to become like a Hollywood movie. We didn't set this up at the Copa in the city. This is just something I'm just a small idea trying to put into work out here in magical Connecticut. But you know what? Just, just take it all. You know, it's almost defeatist. It's almost like it was inevitable the way he's, he's feeling here. I can appreciate the idea of, can't I just be content with having something that is at this level and be happy and 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 satisfied and proud of whatever level that I've built here and not feel like not everything has to be this huge, huge, huge worldwide product or idea that everybody has to get into it. I feel like especially as I know this was back in the 40s, but I feel like especially nowadays, doesn't it feel like no one's allowed to have an idea like that? Like if you're not trying to conquer the entire world, then Mm -hmm. you're just like spinning your wheels and being a jerk about it. Right. If you're not monetizing it out the wahoo, you know, as much as humanly possible, what are you even doing? That's why you're like a loser or something that you're not doing enough. You're a a failure. I hate that. Yeah. I really, I really don't like that idea that, that you have have to be doing like so much bigger and bigger that you can't just be happy in your corner of the world. I agree. It made me like Jim more that he expresses that sentiment here. And I feel his frustration because I think that is a problem. This, you know, listen, I, you're never going to meet a better capitalist than me. I don't hide it. I don't, I'm, I'm a corporate lawyer. I'm a corporate finance lawyer for God's sakes. But I think there, I don't think that money is the sole determining factor about whether you're a success and failure. I think oftentimes it has very little to do with whether or not you're a success or failure in life. And so I feel, Jim, here, this idea, it's, it's crazy to me. That's why it struck me. It's because it's in 1942 and someone is already having this idea that why can't we just be happy with what we have here? Why Why does it have to get ratcheted up to rebuilding the set literally identical in Hollywood to make your movie? It exists here. It's real here in Connecticut. Uh, yeah, no, it gave me pause. And so I was just I just wanted to point it out because it's mm. it's almost timeless. This idea of uh, can you just be happy with less or, or, or happy with what you have uh, was the quote from heels. Just because you got more doesn't mean we got less. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like that's uh, that's kind of what Jim is saying here. So. Well, and that the ultimate goal is not world domination for everyone. You can you can be. You can wake up every day and do an honest day's work and do and do your best and be happy and content at the end of the day. And that can be enough. It doesn't have to be like getting out there and, and making it bigger and better every single day. I, I It's a very like soothing concept to me. It is. And the last clip that I have to play just made me dislike Ted even more because it's such it's such an obnoxious take on. I am better than you, so I am not going to retort to your childish, uh, your childish or your 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 hazing me kind of comments. This is when him and uh, Jim are having a little bit of a fight when Ted kind of moves himself into the inn because he's trying to poach Linda. Uh, my uh, my trunks will arrive this afternoon. What do I do? Move in the broom closet? Jim, that's no way to talk to a man who's here to help you. The world doesn't change. A gentle smile often breeds a kick in the pants. But for your sake, Linda, I'll be big. 
a gentle smile often breeds a kick in the pants. It's it's he's he's essentially saying I'm rubber your glue, but really in the most obnoxious way possible. So. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think you've had this conversation with me where I'll be like, I don't know, they seem nice, and you're like, yeah, a nice person can also like completely end up doing something terrible to you. And I'm like, oh, really? I mean, that you know, a gentle smile can often lead to a kick in the pants. I mean, I don't know. That's some experience talking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, just the the air about which he says it, though. He's definitely got a tone. I think that's kind of the end of the discussion, really. I don't know how much more there is to say about this movie uh, other than whether or not it's a Christmas movie or not. Uh, do you want to hit some fast facts, though, before we do our Jingle Ball ratings and, and, and talk about uh, and talk about our final thoughts? Sure. Well, I mean, right. do we need to just do we uh, do we usually discuss if it's a Christmas movie? I mean, yeah, we do normally talk about if it's a Christmas movie first. So, well, let's just hit it. It's not. It's not. <laughs> It's not. it's not, you guys. It doesn't. They barely mention Christmas. Certainly as an event, it's not a big deal. Maybe the words are said. Yes, there is White Christmas as a song, but it's not meant in the way that we're all thinking of Christmas movies. It's no. Not yeah. Revolving around Christmas. So it's a hard no. Christmas is the literal starting point and end point on the calendar where Christmas Eve rather is the start point and end point on this movie. And over the course of the movie, you go through three years worth of Christmas Eves and Christmas but that's just a day on the calendar it, it literally could be any time of the year and the entire concept of the holiday in is that it's going to celebrate all of the holidays it's the only time it's going to be in function it's not going to just be christmas holiday in it's all of the holiday in so um <laughs> right. yeah i mean that, that being said i mean i i like the little jazzy christmas tune and fred astaire does a little tap dance with the kids outside and then he uh, gets santa to shake the street corner santa to say, shake his bell uh, to a little jazz tune in the beginning like i liked all that but it wasn't <laughs> like was funny. I, I wasn't like that's christmas that's just like oh great i mean fred Astaire's gonna be dancing a ton in this movie and i'm here for it yeah this movie is not a christmas movie in any way mm-hmm. shape or form it has none of the themes it has none of the magic it has none of the hope yeah it yeah. It, la- it it does doesn't check any of the boxes. Agreed. Are we ready to get to fast facts? I think so. I think so. Can I go with the first one? Because yeah. it made me laugh. So, okay. El- so Elmer Rice, who did the adaptation for this movie, mm-hmm. uh, in his early years, he actually graduated from New York Law School in 1912. And uh, he was only a, a practicing lawyer <laughs> uh, for two years. He left the profession in 1914 and was always retained a cynical outlook about lawyers. <laughs> I also went to New York Law School, uh, and I also retain a cynical outlook about lawyers. So when I read that about <laughs> okay. Mr. El- when I read that about Mr. Elmer Rice, I felt like he was my spirit animal coming through to me. I didn't realize that we shared an alma mater together. Uh, yes, but and the fact that we both have cynical views of lawyers. So it's a little a little fast fact is uh, I went to the same law school as Elmer Rice. And a little insight into Mike for yeah. all of you guys out there. Yeah, <laughs> for all of my future therapists out there, so you can get rolling. Okay, this is the only non-Best Picture nominee for the year to be nominated for Best Story. I need some understanding of that. I think before they had original screenplay, I think, or in addition to original screenplay, they had a category for Best Story idea. So it wasn't a writing category. It was literally, it was literally what Irving Berlin has the cr- the credit for in this movie. I don't think nice. they, I don't think that category exists in the current Academy Awards. I do not believe it does. We've watched it lots. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. You know, we talked about how White Christmas won the Academy Award in 1943, that the 15th uh, Academy Awards for Best Song, because this was in 1942. The actual song that they thought was going to be the breakout hit was Be Careful, It's My Heart. When this movie comes out in August, that's the movie, that's the song that they thought was going to be the big hit. And initially it was, it was, it was played a bunch and it was the bigger hit at first. White Christmas, though, as the year went on, I think starting in October, it spent like 11 weeks as like the number one song in the country and then goes on to win the Academy Award. It was not the one that they thought was going to be the breakout hit. I wonder if that's an indicator of the mood of the country in terms of, oh, we assume the be careful, it's my heart business because of the switching and swapping of like who you're with and who you're not with. Like, is it was that really what was going on? I don't know. Is this a people are getting married because people are going off to war. And so everyone just was getting married. Didn't matter who to apparently. I don't know. I'm so curious about this time period and what everyone's attitudes were. Yeah, I mean, when it's all said and done, no one is particularly careful with anyone's heart in this movie, for sure. 
hearts don't even seem to play in. No one seems to have a heart. You never see anyone crying over anyone. Uh, no, no, just that they maybe lose a movie deal. I think that's like about the only real heartbreak here. I mean, I mean, Ted gets super drunk, right? Lila, Lila Deer Johnson moves out to California, uh, moves out to uh, Texas to marry her millionaire, and Ted doesn't get sad. He doesn't get teary-eyed he gets drunk and then dances with linda and decides that he loves her a fast fact on that is actually for the drunk dance fred astaire he had two drinks of bourbon before the first take of that drunk dance scene and then one uh more shot before each succeeding take it was the seventh and final take that was used in the film so fred astaire was pretty <laughs> looped by the time he was actually doing that dance that's a lot you know? wow and Very you know what impressive still dancing better than most people sober uh, I would think then like 99.9% of people sober, <laughs> especially sober, sober people are the worst dancers. Well, that is very true. <laughs> that's very true. Oh my gosh. Okay. Dale Evans was brought to California to audition for the part of Linda Mason. After our first cross country flight left her sick, her agent rushed her to the beauty parlor and then on to the studio. He ended up doing most of the talking and she finally admitted she couldn't dance. So pff, that's hysterical. <laughs> That's very funny. I love that they even like brought her out. What What in the world? Uh, director Mark Sandrich, he actually wanted Ginger Rogers and Rita Hayworth to be the Linda and Lila characters. Mm. But they were spending so much money having Bing and Fred Astaire in the movie, they actually couldn't afford Ginger and Rita. So they had to go with two lesser known stars. And that's how we wound up with uh, Marjorie Reynolds and uh, Virginia Dale. Well, if Ginger was in there, please. No one would have stood a chance, right? No one would have stood a chance. Well, I mean, Rita, Way- Rita Hayworth. I mean, va-va-voom, right? When we talk about bombshells at the Golden Age. Yeah, but Ginger, she's got the moves. She's got the moves, if ladies you can and dance, you got me. I'm telling you. <laughs> You've charmed me off my feet, Ginger. <laughs> I found it interesting, Mike, that in the, the firecracker dance sequence, you know that one? Do you mm-hmm. Remember that one that they added in? Well, I thought it was pretty fascinating that it actually took 38 takes. But then also the crew members, they had to wear goggles during the filming because the sand from the firecrackers like flew into their faces. I cannot imagine the safety for all this. Like it just cracks me up. And also, guess what? They actually used some animation to make the blast more dramatic. Pretty cool, right? Uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, I love that sequence. It was my, of all the dance sequences and there were a bunch, I mean, I liked all of the dance sequences in this movie a lot. Fred Astaire definitely, he says in the movie, you know, I need a partner. I can't dance solo. And, and he definitely looks best with a partner but he is fantastic in that scene just hoofing it with the fireworks and it was just so well choreographed between the band's music and the firecracker explosions and then just him kind of hitting the accent notes with the taps it was uh it was pretty it was pretty seamless yeah there was actually a, a, the other one that made me laugh was the uh i cannot tell a lie song uh during washington's birthday that whole thing made me laugh because that's where they're going back and forth between the minuet dancing like the very like uh, kind of ballroom-esque dancing and then mm-hmm. uh, going into the swing uh, yep. time changes. Very funny. And and then, yeah, the, the whole thing had me laughing pretty hard. That actually reminded me a lot of um, Dickinson. Like, sort of like like doing like a really proper dance and then sort of like breaking it down into what a, what would be like the more cool dance of the time. I thought that was kind of fun. That is a great pull and that is a fantastic scene of Dickinson and is what made me fall in love with that show, and which I still love I think show. it's what probably hooked a lot of people, right? That that was that was a, a great way to get under people's skin, I guess. And Wiz Khalifa playing death. Let's not overlook that fact. That's pretty cool, too. <laughs> Always. So, uh, this has been our review of Dickinson on Apple TV+. Plus. Definitely go check that out. It's fantastic. We loved it. We did not leave it. Are you ready to do Jingle Bells or do you want to hear a clip from next week's episode while you think about your Jingle Bell? I guess play me the clip for the next episode. Oh, you're going to know this one. I, I picked okay. a pretty obvious one because sometimes I give you okay. really obscure ones. Okay. Sometimes you sing or talk them to me. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> you sound sweet, but you don't make sense. <laughs> I'm going to say that. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out, kid. 
Oh, sheesh. Well, yeah, that's probably the best well-known Christmas movie line ever. It must be A Christmas Story. A Christmas Story. 1983 is A Christmas Story is our next episode. So definitely check it out. I believe you can stream it for free on HBO Max. Well, not for free if you have to pay HBO Max, I guess, for a subscription. But if you do, I think at least right now anyway, it is streaming there. Uh, Go out there and uh, take a look at it. Get ready for our next episode, guys. Okay, so are you ready to give it some Jingle Bell ratings? Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> I am. I think I am going to give this one, Holiday Inn, a three, which is the lowest that I have given, I believe, to anyone. But this really had nothing to do with Christmas. I appreciated all of the singing and the dancing and it was fun. And it certainly made me feel very like we can overcome in World War II boys kind of feeling, uh, especially with the entire montage of all of our troops and everything. But it 100% did not make me think of Christmas. So while I love this song... I'm afraid I've got to give it a three. I love it. Yes. The only lower rating you have given is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which we each gave a one. (laughs) Well, that one actually probably was more Christmassy. There was at least more Christmas stuff in it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there were this whole Christmas sex dummies. So, you know. Yeah, duh. A uh, uh, dummy. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think I also am going to go with the three. Because uh, I'm, I'm looking here because I gave that that hot steaming pile of garbage Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer animated classic from 64 a four. And this was less even Christmassy than that piece of garbage. So I am going to give this a three. Also, this uh, never has a movie been less about Christmas that is so well remembered for Christmas. Hey, one last fast fact. Teresa May, I think in 2018, said that this was her favorite Christmas movie. Mm. Teresa May, you sound stupid. You should keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Don't say that. Say something different. Don't say you sound stupid. Love Actually, which is a British-based Christmas movie, is right there in her country. And she picks Uh. this one. Teresa May. I mean, come no, on. What are no. you even doing? Mm-mm. I mean, I, I appreciate that it's wintertime, but no, no, no. We have to be able to help people distinguish between what like it, it's like it's like the snow gets in your eyes and then you suddenly get confused. Like, am I watching a Christmas movie? And it's like, no, it's just snowing. <laughs> this isn't about Christmas at all. Yeah. And, and half of the movie is not even in Christmas time. It's not even. Or at the wintertime. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They hit all of different holidays. It's it's really it's really a holiday holiday movie so if you're feeling like you want to visit different holidays feel free but oddly they really skip over christmas christmas is just the time of the year where they set stuff in motion you'd be better off watching this movie on new year's eve uh as because yes. they spend a lot of time celebrating new year's eve for sure um they spend a lot of time at new year's eve you get a great you get a great washington's birthday song you get a fourth of july song yeah man put this on fourth of july go get some patriotism do some tap dancing to fireworks but this is not the movie for you for Christmas time. I, I don't I don't see what people are getting out of this at Christmas time. Skip it, y'all. Skip it. Just because of the, the song White Christmas is in it. Don't be confused. I really feel like we're like guides. Like I have a little lantern mm-hmm. and you're like you're like yelling at the people like, like stick close. Everyone, please stay together. Yeah. Like we're trying to guide them through that. Like don't get don't get all, you know, what's the word? Distracted right. by uh, snow and, and people like having a new year's eve party that's not christmas cut it out i know we're sitting here in this horse-drawn sleigh and it's Don't snowing be confused all right well, keep your eyes peeled towards the christmas trees that is where we're headed we will take you <laughs> to the christmas movie land exactly but please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Thank you for listening to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. If you wouldn't mind heading over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, you can get it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, if you could leave us a five-star rating, that would be fantastic so that we don't have to come to your house and tell you this. Sounds sweet, but you don't make sense. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. 
Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.